from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to All My Fantasy Children. My name is Aaron Catano Sayez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a tabletop-inspired, world-building, character creation, and storytelling podcast powered by listener prompts. That's damn right it is. Um, we're going to take a listener prompt and create the greatest story of all time and whip up an all-new fantasy character, add to this fantasy world that we've been building called fantasy, and have a lot of fun along the way. Hell yeah, we are. Jeff... Aaron, why don't you go first? Because I, I need some time to collect my thoughts. Okay. Please tell me what's got you excited this week. Okay. So what's getting me excited this week is this kind of uh, sort of revelation I've had, which it's sort of like a verbal hug. I'll start with like kind of a verbal hug. Last night, I was hustling at my new job, like really busting it. It's a great spot to work at. Money's great. Whatever. That's all great and grand. But I was thinking about um, kind of like doing the thing and feeling good and stuff like that. And I was thinking about how a lot of people use shonen anime to like be like, yeah, see, like shonen anime, follow your dreams. You can do it. Like, and everybody on Twitter is like, you got this. You can do this, blah, 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 blah. But like the big thing that I would take away from shonen anime is that the main character is motivated and fiery and like goes after their dreams and trains and works super hard and eventually gets the thing. But the thing that a lot of people miss is the fact that they try to go alone and fail. And then they have to they have to accept help usually mm-hmm. in order to accomplish things. So it was kind of this revelation of like I love to grind and think like what's next? What am I doing next? I want to always have a project. I always want to be trying to push forward and get all the things I want done. But I need to be better about being like and I need help. You know because that's sure, it's, absolutely. An, it's so kind of like that's been it's been active lately and everything's been going great. In all my little departments, because I haven't been afraid to be like, hey, I need a little assistance right now with X, Y, or Z. And it's fucking bomb. And I feel good. I'm excited. Yeah, that's getting me jazzed up, is not being afraid to ask for help. (laughs) Excellent. That makes me very happy to hear. That's I feel like that's all too important and all too easy for us to miss sometimes. Truth. Now, Jeff, um, let me light a candle real quick. Um, What's getting you excited this week? (laughs) Aaron, um, so this morning I woke up, uh, I went on a journey today. Yeah, where'd you go? You went, yeah. so you traveled today? I traveled, I traveled, really, not just in, not just in time, but in, in space of mind. Wow. Uh, I went to the movies today, Aaron, and I oh. saw, I saw the big, I saw the big release this weekend, you know, Star I feel Wars. like, you know. nice, I've been waiting to talk to you about Star Wars. Yeah, no, I saw Cats, I saw Cats. <laughs> fuck what do you think what is it what did you do you do you want to buy a tail do you want to attend the jellical ball i have a degree in musical theater and a master's in performing arts i've never listened to the soundtrack of cats before because i despise it oh my god i don't fuck with andrew lloyd weber except jesus christ superstar Aaron, it's so fucking weird <laughs> it's like it's not good no it was what a, a terrible everyone's talking film. about how great it is. <laughs> it was weird and bad and so so horny and and like legitimately so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And like 
I also just have the utmost purest. I respect it more than I respect things that I have made. <laughs> what? Why? Because, Aaron, it is so. Because it it's a weird, incomprehensible train wreck of like a horny sex movie. Okay. I, <laughs> swung for the fences and then the ball hit it in the face and it fell over. That made, Can I have two details that were really horny and awkward? Yes. Um,. There is a a 10-second sequence where uh, <laughs> Rum Tum Tugger almost, like, so I need to describe, but to really understand the context of, of, of moment number one, you need to understand that these are cat people yes. with human hands and human feet. See, it was the most AMFC thing. That's what I kind of wanted you to tell me about, is, like, what were their limbs, what were their, like, digits like? Because it was so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. They have human hands and human feet, and there's a long sequence where Rum Tum Tugger almost sucks on a toe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who plays Rum Tum Tugger in this? Jason Derulo. <laughs> Jason Derulo. Platinum recording artist Jason Derulo almost sucks on a toe. Why on didn't camera. they just make him suck the toe on camera though? Is what I don't understand. Like, why, it, apparently not a fucking like family friendly movie if everybody's just ready to fucking. Fuck with their barbed every, dicks and shit. Every single person, every single person in in this movie is down to fuck at all times. <laughs> Wait, never mind. Okay. Oh, so number Can moment I, number me, two. Please give me number two. Oh, oh, Aaron, the, the, the movie you watch it and you just you feel weird. <laughs> number the, the moment number two is um, Gus, who is Sir Ian McKellen. You know, he's doing like a heartfelt half song, half monologue because he's not really quite singing. Is he fucking during it? No, not interested. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Dave Judy Dench is I fucking him. <laughs> they will cut to old Deuteronomy, played by Dame Judy Dench, who is just staring him down. Yeah, and is just like lapping it up with with her eyes, like this fucking yes, lapping up. Gandalf's eyes like a warm <laughs> bowl of uh, milk laid out we, in the street. We watch, we see Siri and McKellen like lap up water from a bowl like a cat. No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Ew, stop. I was trying to make a joke. Characters, Ew. they don't, no one kisses in the movie. That's bullshit. So, but like they'll pull up to each other as if they're going to kiss and then nuzzle each other yeah, like cats. I, I learned about so cat much school weirder. that they all went to and it, it just made me want to barf. Because like, we, we spent, like you've heard like Broadway productions of cats are like, we did not do that much. This is a dance musical, guys. It's not that deep. So, they were standing so, in a puddle of cat piss and they were like, this is so deep. Let's go let's see how far we can push it. And Andrew Lloyd Webber's like, this show is trash. <laughs> Don't do it. The, spoilers. Spoilers for Cats 2019 director There's Tom no Hooper. plot! <laughs> oh, but Aaron, there is because McCavity, which is Idris Elba, who is wearing clothes for part of the movie and then naked for another part of the movie. McCavity sounds like that's like the villain in the cat-themed like toothpaste commercial where it's like, McCavity's here. Oh, no. We can only defeat him with the power of crest whitening. His plan is legitimately <laughs> he's <laughs> drawing cats away from the Jellicle ball where the Jellicle choice is made. Because apparently if you're not at the ball when the choice is made, it's like you're getting a raffle, like a shitty door prize. <laughs> if you're not there, if we call your name and you're not present, we will call another name. 
So his plan is literally to just draw people away and then magically teleport them onto a boat. What? And that's it. That's his whole plan. I mean, it's not a bad one. He's offering <laughs> them a better life. He's trying to take them out of the movie. He's like, let me help you. I can help you get off this, get off the Jericho bowl and I'll take you on my yacht. Uh, Aaron, do you want to know how it literally ends? Don't they? I know they touch someone. One cat gets touched or something. No, right? I need you to tell. I mean, like literally the last thing that happens in the movie. Does Jason Derulo finally get that toe <laughs> popped in his mouth? There you go. <laughs> Dame Judi Dench literally turns towards the camera. No, no, she doesn't. And addresses the audience. No, no, that's not true. On, on how to properly acknowledge a cat. What? And it starts with the line. The first thing you need to know is that a cat is not a dog. I am <laughs> fucking speechless. Says this, says this to you. She is addressing you. Is it like 4, 4D where like you smell a cat all of a sudden and then like she, it's 3D and she like reaches out into the audience and is like. And grabs you by the scrub of your, your neck. neck. And is like, like cat is not a fucking dog. You, you human monster. You may have misunderstood what movie you just watched for two hours. Wow. So that's what's got me excited this week. <laughs> you know, that's got me excited now. Ugh, man, so this prompt this week is Jason Derulo's foot <laughs> fetish. No, um, it's not. Uh, Jason Derulo has lovely songs about fucking. Anyway, the prompt this week comes to us <laughs> from Nick in our Discord. And Nick is part of the cast of Tabletop Squad, Star Wars actual play podcast, Tabletop underscore squad on Twitter. Check it out if you like Zestavos. Anywho, prompt this week is very appropriate for this conversation, and it is prompt. The fun bots branch out into musicals. It's. I mean, I have a lot of musical thoughts, honestly, today of all days. Can we give a prompt, uh, a quick catch up as to what is a fun bot in the world of all my fantasy children? Sure. So, uh, Spot L. Shellman was a was a bug person. Yep. Who uh, runs a casino, the Lucky Bug? That is correct. That is populated. By fun bots, robots, that are made of, because a uh, budget was a limitation. That's correct. <laughs> so they're sort of slapdash. Some of them are made from, like, a mop and a bucket. Yup. <laughs> um, and they uh, primarily tell historical stories about the history of fantasy. Yep. Um, and they, uh, there are some of them that have traveled, that are traveling the world in sort of caravans. Yep. Telling the story of Big Jeremy and the Battle of Iron Hill. Iron Hill. Iron Hill. Iron <laughs> Hill. wonderful mix of Chuck E. Cheese animatronics and it's essentially Chuck E. Cheese animatronics made out of, like, household items. Like, a jar of mayonnaise and, you know, two bicycle wheels, you know, with a face painted on it. And it's like, I'm Mayo McGee, and I'm going to tell you the history of Geo. <laughs> now they're going to make a musical, and obviously, Aaron, I need to lay out some details about the musical immediately. Please do. It's high, is it High School Musical? <laughs> it is. Oh, I mean, yeah, it is now. No, um, it's a High School Kids. <laughs> 
No, I mean, we don't have to go. So it's got to be overambitious, right? It's got to be. We got to channel the cat's energy that I feel in my heart. Oh, okay. It has to swing for the fences and get hit with the ball in the face. Okay, so my question is, if the fun bots are designed to tell history tales, and the, it is, the prompt is, the fun bots branch out into musicals. Is there someone who's like, what, reprogramming or just like hanging out with fun bots and is like, wait, what if we sang? What if we had them sing? Is it this... Are we going to tell the story of the director who is basically making the fantasies version of cats and using yes. fun bots like fun bots are essentially being cast yes and this is the greatest director the most visionary director of fantasy and i do that with a huge eye roll this is basically like julie Taymor's spider-man that clusterfuck version 1.0 where everyone's getting hurt Except without the injury, where you see it and you're like, why is there a Greek chorus in Spider-Man? This is trash. Why is the music U2? Why is U2 in the edge writing the music for Spider-Man? I like that you said U2 in the edge as if U2 is just Bono. Because it's not all of you, too. No, a lot of them were like, ew, no, gross. <laughs> you, Bono, you don't know how to compose a musical, dog. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, it's got big cats energy in that they literally just, in that they just, they went for it. They really just <laughs> swung for the fences, Aaron. Okay. So, let's let's talk about this director, right? Yes. Um, let me get my dice box out by brilliant dice box maker at Stellar Empress. Oh, see, can I throw out a suggestion for who they, well. No, I no, no, please. Because I was, well, maybe they could, I guess they could come from any culture, any background, but I have a very specific idea of where, so I have two specific, no, I have one specific idea. Is it a cat person? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. No, it's not. My specific idea was, um, we've talked a lot about, or we talked in previous episodes about the, uh, the, uh, the, the Iron Hill pageant. That is correct. Yes. And I, I feel like in on, in honor of Cats 2019 director Tom Hooper, uh, I would propose perhaps this is a musical adaptation of The Battle oh, of Iron Hill that shit. is, like, weird and overambitious and kind of gets a bunch of things wrong yep. and is, like, this baffling production that, like, you would watch and go, why did you, why did you do that? I'm obsessed. Why did you make that? So, quick refresh for new listeners, uh, The Pageant of Iron, as is existing, is a play performed by children that commemorates this giant battle of the city of Iron Hill against the city of Dragon. It's performed by children in Iron Hill, and it's very grandiose, there's orchestrations, but it is a play. And then someone says... But what if? What if a musical? What if a musical? And the best part Populated by robots. Completely by robots, and we go so hard on this show. So, what that tells me is that the... the, We're talking about the visionary, right? Yeah. This visionary sees... Sees the pageant of Iron Hill and sees all these cute kids, you know, being like, oh, big Jeremy, and I'm Luminodon Spear, and I'm gonna, you know, sees that and is like, this is great and grand, but like, ugh, kids, ugh, not interested. What if, and then, you know, everybody knows the fun bots, everyone knows the joy that a fun bot can bring, and if you can teach them how to sing, the sky's the limit. The show doesn't even have to end. You know, it could go on forever. So how do you want to find out who this person is? You just want to chat about it? Yeah, just chat about it. Okay. So clearly they are a bard. 
They are yeah. like a storyteller. You know, they have a they have a craftsman. Okay, I'm going to be pulling a lot from people I hate from the musical theater industry and like school to to, to weave this. So this is someone who's a bard. They're like well trained and like they have a really amazing background, but. They've never actually been on, like, the road before. They've never actually barded. They're, like, right out of bard college. Because Fantasy mm-hmm. has one. Fuck it. There's a hundred of them. Fantasy has a... They're right out of bard college. They think they know everything. They're, like, 23. Yeah. And they are... They see the pageant of iron, and they're just so cynical about it. So they turn to this person next to them, and they're like, she should have, like... She really should have delivered that line better. And the person next to them is like... You're an asshole. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? She's eight. She's eight years old. There's an eight-year-old child doing her best. You're a dick. Do we want to get some pronouns for this character real <laughs> yes, quick? Yes, I do. Hold on. Here are all these dice. <laughs> One horse. All right. So he is. Yeah, so he's like, he's, he's like critiquing things, and he's also like, so <laughs> pulling back and coming back to cats. Oh, please. 2019 director Tom Hooper. <laughs> I was talking about this with with Jen and like I like the idea of being like cynical and being like cynical towards the production because what that tells me skipping ahead to the actual musical something that Cats the movie did and I should note that I've never seen like I've never seen or listened to the original production but in talking to Jen like some of this came became apparent. The movie also changes a bunch of things, seemingly because it does not either trust or respect the original source material. Understandable completely. So do you want to <laughs> – they change the Battle of Iron Hill? I think they just add details. Like, they make characters – like, they make characters like um, like Lucky uh, Lucky Number 7 or, like, Headless 7. They turn into, like – like, they play they, – they ramp it up and they turn him into <laughs> a goofball. He shows up! <laughs> shows up all of them are there like everyone we like we decided that like at least three people are not actually there they're like yes we are all here we are here to battle they all have songs individual (laughs) songs played by every one of the knights of dragon is played by a fucking fun bot oh every everyone's fun bots what's this bard's name um so he's can he be a cat can he be a bipedal cat person sure okay so he's a cat Bernard Thimbleshanks. Nope, Bernard <laughs> Bernard Thimblebristle. Thimblebristle. So Bernard, um, I will say, is Bard College days didn't really do a lot, didn't learn a lot, because a lot of Bard College would be like, you learn about heroes, and you like write songs, and you you know what I mean? You learn how to be like a party member. We haven't decided what a Bard does in like a, we'll call it like D, quote D&D setting, like a combat-driven fantasy game. Like, what would their party purpose be? It can always be support. You know, I always love a supportive Bard. But anyway... But they learn how to do that. They learn how to tell stories. And they learn a lot of history. Like, you have to be a history buff. Bernard Thimble... Thimble Thistle? What is it? Bernard Thimble Bristle. Bernard Thimble Bristle is not a well-versed historian. He doesn't know shit. Every history class, motherfucker skipped. He's like, that's pointless. Who You can just embellish. You can just make it up. Who cares what it really was? Oh, 
Oh, I hate him. Yeah, because he's absolutely the he's absolutely that. Like none of this matters. It's just make like he yes. he has that view that like he has that view of like we were just telling stories. None of this matters. Oh, I hate that. And like th- so, there is a lot to be said about like when you when you're doing musicals and stuff. Dramaturgical work is like super fucking important to figure out. Like why did the playwright write this? Why did the composer or lyricist like what were what was going on in their life? What was going on in the world? Like what inspired this to give you like clues? about motif and like direction and like what this character means and shit this person is just like i just like being clapped for i love when people like are like you did a good job wow they just want accolades they just want the applause they just want to win a tony to say they want a tony essentially you know yeah so they just want to have they just want to be the theater guy you know they just want to have the number one play in fantasy and the easiest way to do that is to pretty much have, recreate something that already exists because <laughs> yeah. the pageant of iron was like painstakingly written by big jeremy and so uh bernard clearly does not like the work of big jeremy they're not a, like everyone is a fan everyone's like are you kidding the pageant of iron is one of the greatest pieces of theater and ever written it's it's fucking amazing it's like immaculate it's beautiful it's ridiculous it's all these wonderful things and it's entertaining bernard is like yeah, it's not really entertaining and like God, it's so biased. Like, Big Jeremy was there. So, like, how do you even know he's giving, like, an like an honest opinion about what actually happened? Like, well, that's the joy of it, Bernard. Like, ugh, gross. And they don't even sing. They don't even sing. <laughs> why, are, why are they singing? Why aren't they singing? It's heightened circumstance. They should be so excited that they're so ready for battle that the only way they can express themselves is through song. Also, we keep, in, we keep meeting these characters and they just keep, like... We we have to keep inferring their background from dialogue. <laughs> Everyone says there's subtext. It's very like, Stephen they should, they should have a song. They should have a song where they explain who they are, where they come from, what okay. their deal is. Okay, so now that you say that, I'm starting to Bernard Thimble Thistle Thimblethorn. Thimblethorn. Yep, there it is. Bernard Thimblethorne is very Stephen Sondheim. He's okay. I think he's. I think we're really onto something, Jeff. They really like the work of Bernard, but everyone has a song where they sing their subtext. No one in this version of his show. No one sings and speaks. All everyone does is say what they're thinking. No one actually communicates. The fun bots just say subtext, and then the curtain closes. <laughs> Every character gets their round of being like, I am here. I have showed up to the Battle of Iron Hill. I'm so scared. What a time. It is my turn to fly. And, like, that's that's kind of it. It's not good. No. And it's very dramatic. And, like, the romance tension. like the It's he- real horny. The horny part of it is the romance tension is it's just people looking at each other, walking toward each other, singing about, like, well, that's a thing, too. So it's called a conditional love song. Hi, everyone. And uh, Roger and Hammerstein kind of, like, not coined it, but, like, started using it a lot. And it's the if I loved you, like if we were to get together type song. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a ton of those in musical theater where it's like, if I loved you is a literal song about like, if I loved you or like those songs were like, I sh- oh man, if only we could be together. But that's literally all it is. And no one ever actually gets together. Oh, they're yeah, just singing sure. subtext at each other. <laughs> What's it's, it called? Yeah, of course. What's it called? Oh God. It is called, um, it's called The Hill. <laughs> Okay, and so it's the Battle of Iron Hill done through Hill. song, and this person, what, gets their hands on some funny bots and is, like, teaching them to sing? 
You know, like, how do they get the fun bots? How do they... Because the fun bots branch out into musicals is the prompt by Nick. Yeah. So they are branching out. Are they just getting really excited fun bots? They're like, hey, fun bots, you guys tired of doing history? They're like, never. But wouldn't you like to sing it? <laughs> so we have established that there is a troop of fun bots that are trained to tell the story of the Battle of Iron Hill. That is cr- that is correct. And they are, like, at least in some areas famous and beloved. Oh, no question. Some people can't get can't get enough. So what I what I would like to propose is that like <laughs> good old Ber- good old Bernard has to go like goes and finds this troop and like teaches them music. Oh my god, like, you just described cats where it's like I already have this famous cast of people. I don't even have to do it. I already have yeah. the draw. All I got to do is act like they can sing it and act at the same time. Oh my Jeff, you just like described what a music movie musical is. Where it's like, I've never sang in my life before. I can't wait to do Les Mis. <laughs> it's, and, it's, and it's Taylor Swift doing a British accent. Yes! Does that ha- That's She actually, wait, they do British accents? <laughs> not, not everyone does one. <laughs> but Taylor Swift tries. Nice. I like that. I like that. Her character is... She sings McCavity's, like, intro song. She sings, like, the Ballad of McCavity, I think, whatever it's called. (laughs) It's basically, like, introducing him as this grand villain and telling all about the evil deeds that he's done and how... And I'm like, how much better would it have been if it was not, like, some British character that is played by Taylor Swift, but just a cat version of Taylor Swift comes out and sings a hype song about McCavity and then McCavity's here. I fuck with that. Like, that would be way better, but the movie then went... No, I feel like you should probably have a British accent, <laughs> which is why it's just so weird. Yes, he goes and finds these fun bots, teaches them music, and like has and has them like changes the script on them and like turns it into this this story of like singing subtext at each other. I love this. Now, my question for you is: Are they a good teacher? Is Bernard a good teacher? Because we said they don't know history, but they want to be like the music person. Maybe they're I can pas- go with that. You know, like their passion is the writing the show, and like they're a dedicated their is music. They love music. Yeah, they're a visionary director, and like they know a lot about music, and they wrote an entire fucking show. I can just imagine Bernard, like in his bard college dorm, like staying up every night, being like, "This is his life's work." Oh yeah, and I think musically it is very impressive. Yes. Like in terms of like the structure and the scope of it and the fact that it is essentially an opera, like all of these things are very impressive and yes. like musically it could be beautiful. It just went about everything in the wor- weird and like the not just not just the worst way but the weirdest way. Yes, because unfortunately it's the way that is often two times like often traveled where it's like you're just doing this for the accolades. It's yeah. not he's not doing it to make high art. He's not doing it to like express himself through a medium. It's literally just to be like I want to rub this in Big Jeremy's face that I could outdo the pageant of iron and those kids that can't even act. They can't I bet I could teach fun bots to do it better. And I'll teach him to sing. It's all hubris. It's all arrogance. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what happens if uh, and, you know, the draw of the pageant of iron is like, you know, the great amphitheater of Iron Hill probably holds like five million people. <laughs> Could you imagine? 
Yeah. <laughs> Five million people show up to the pageant of iron. Kids are doing eight show weeks. Um, and like, you know, if you could steal that audience, you know, if you could get get that uh target demographic of people who fuck with the pageant of iron, you're great. So basically this is someone who's like no integrity. But, like, unfortunately, they're young, and their integrity is kind of, like, misguided. And, like, they're pointing their compass in the wrong direction in terms of, like, they're not really going after what they want. They're just trying to go. It's I've been learning a lot about the Jedi and the Sith and stuff. It's, like, the easy path. It's the, it's the darkness. You know what I mean? It's, it's easy, mm-hmm. and it's, it's way quicker to just bang something out and use some fun bots than teach kids. Like, Jer- big pageant of iron probably takes fucking months. No, for sure it does. Okay. Now, what is the conflict it's like, all this is going great. These fun bots know the show. Back of their hand, you know, the fun bots actually are pretty good, and they're very passionate. And yeah. I'm seeing Bernard, like, sitting, being like, it's not enough. Is it nobody comes? Is it they premiere and to no one? Hmm. You know, what is the conflict here? Where everything's going great. Bernard wants this pageant of iron, gets these robots, and, you know, they're rehearsing, they're rehearsing until, uh, it, is it something like they run out of money? Is it they do they just bring it to Iron Hill? I do like I do like running out of money. <laughs> it's a funding. I like issue. running out of money because like because you know Aaron, do you know a thing in this world that like legitimate and this ties directly into Cats twenty nineteen director Tom Hooper. Um <laughs> do you know a thing that like legitimately I am obsessed with? That actually I don't know if you and I even off mic have ever talked about this obsession that I have. I don't know. Weird, often unfinished calamity money sink movies oh that's fun i'm obsessed with them oh like um like man like uh terry gilliam's man of la mancha or um or uh or grease or, five no I never yeah like grease five <laughs> um, can't you imagine that's apocalypse now to a certain extent like even though that one did come out but like that 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 particular movie that is just like over budget Oh, and it's just like a like a vast c- catastrophe of a film. Okay, I have a really good pitch for this that that right. brings in a real life event as well. There is a musical that exists that you can listen to the soundtrack of called Glory Days, and the score is pretty good. It's about like five friends, six friends meeting up, just a bunch of white dudes like singing really high. Some of the tunes are pretty good, and the plot is like all, all, all based on the classic album of the classic work of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. You wish, <laughs> but like I it's, do, Aaron, I, I really do. But it's it's pretty good. The score is good. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. And the tragic thing is, these guys were in this show, and there's you know, it's you get your Broadway debut. Jeff, how many shows did Glory Days have? Uh, is it none? It is one. Well, and it also reminds me of, like, Carrie the Musical only had, like, one show where it was, like, they ran, they ran, and then shut it down immediately, and it took a, and it was, like, a gigantic money sink of a theater production. Which, this is so wonderful a conversation to have about Ber- Bernard's show. So, yes, Glory Day opened and closed same day. They said they came to the theater the next day and were like, what? Like, it happened that quick. Where they were, like, yeah. ready to keep fucking burning through. Um, and so Bernard, it happens. He opens. You know what I mean? He opens this fucking show. And, like, you know, his closest friends from college show up, a couple people. And he dares to do the thing that, like, video game companies and movies do. Where, like, the day of the opening of the Pageant of Iron, he's like, I'm going to do it. 
in a theater right next door and like he pushes marketing like he pushes this thing it's called the hill and like it's a grittier take on the battle of iron hill there's no kids it's robots so they'll never make a mistake and like everything is perfect and it's this very like um what's the word like cerebral like it's very conceptual like yeah. it has its merits of being like, wow, you really get to know the characters rather than just like kind of a battle reenactment. Like there's a lot of good stuff happening, but there's also a lot of there's a lot of tap dancing um, like where there doesn't need to be any where people are singing their subtext in groups in like a round while tap dancing. And like, we don't need that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bad play, and it like it it costs so much money to put together. Yeah, like all of it in marketing though, because like there's this there's this thing like, and this is another this is going go, this is a thing where like thinking about bad movies, like I heard a great thing about from an actor, I forget who said it, but like who laid out like when you're in a really bad movie. You don't know it oftentimes mm. because you're filming it in pieces and you're not and you're like you're working really hard on your part and you're enjoying this thing and you're kind of seeing, you know, where the scene is like it's very hard to have that moment of like, I think I'm working on a terrible production. Yeah, 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 so yeah. So there's that there's that there's that feeling of like where the they're 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 the actual show, the heart, the heart of the show. There's another reality in which, like, the hill could have been actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because the score is there. Like, the score we've said is very good. The actors are are passionate and knowledgeable about both the history of the Battle of Iron Hill as well as, like, they've learned music from a pretty competent and talented teacher. All of the money, the money sink is in overproduction <laughs> and marketing. <laughs> So I have uh, I have a way to bring this back to being like a fun story. I have a, I okay. have a way. You mentioned Carrie the musical, and it got my brain turning. So the hill does it open? It opens right. They have one show. Is that what you yeah. want to go with? Yeah, yeah. They have one show. They have one show, and you know he knows like he knows the ticket sales. Bernard, imagine Bernard like this cat person. What color is Bernard? <laughs> what color is his oh. fur? Bernard is a calico. Yeah. So this calico cat in a little director's cap and like little opera, little opera glasses on the stick, you know, in the, of course, a vest in those pants with the big, like the saddles on the side. Jumpers. Jumpers. Is that what they're called? Jumpers. Hold on. I'm going to Google jumpers and tell me if that's what you're thinking. There's of. a fucking mosquito by my desk. How? How? It's December. Why? It's December 22nd. Oh, no. Jodpers. Are they jodpers? jodpers? Yeah, sure. Look here. Google it and tell me. That's them. <laughs> so they're wearing jodpers, and uh, the, the, they're backstage, and all the robots are putting makeup on. They're doing their hair because they're all wearing they're all wigged. The costumes yeah. are actually pretty good. Like you said, production value production, through the roof. They they went hard on production. Yeah, the crew is ready. The crew are like seasoned production fun bot There's veterans. There's wire work happening. Oh, pulling in some, some Spider Man. <laughs> People fly in. You know the 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 band. The pit is amazing. Like there's a lot of merit here. The production value is incredible their wigs this is one of those shows that like you look at that like the people that were there that night yeah it's not good but they will talk about that show for the rest of their lives no question in the same way that like if you hear if you are somebody if you were somebody that saw glory days or like was at one of the five shows of carrie the musical like 
you talk about that. You're yes. like, oh, I was there. I saw that. I was I was there for – like, the people that have tickets to Spider-Man turn off the dark. Like, they talk – like, you'll hear – like, they share that story. Do you want to know something sad? Yeah. A friend of mine who's a composer – I didn't mean to say it like that, but um, they were like, do you want to see a preview of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark 1.0? This is back in the dark days when, like, it was bad and people were getting hurt, unfortunately. <laughs> I said no. I was busy. <laughs> I could have seen it in people previews. People have that exact. People have that exact story. I regret of it like, so much. Of like somebody asked me if I wanted to go see the hill, and I just decided I was not going to do it. And then they see it, and they're like, "Oh my god, the wig designer! I can't get over these wigs. These robots looked amazing. The hair was so perfect." <laughs> Why did they spend so much energy on wigs? <laughs> I don't understand. The number one money sink was wigging. Oh my god, like, they must have a team of like 30 robots working on those wigs. And they're like, we do. There's like 30 wig robots in the back, brushing them out. <laughs> All of them sitting like Lenny at the Oscars. <laughs> Watching the wheel. Like, and it's this beautiful like community theater-esque feel to it, where like, you know, Bernard is watching in the in the house, so, you know, where Bernard's watching the opening, and the only people in the audience are like the designing, the creative team, essentially. Yeah. You know, they're all there. And Bernard is like very clearly upset because they're like, I thought this was it. I thought this was my, I thought I knew everything. Like, I thought this would pull focus from the Battle of Iron, from the damn pageant of Iron Hill. And people would come see my show. Like, I put my life's work into this show. Like, what did I do wrong? Where were my missteps? Like, it's, it's unbeaten. Like, it's, everything was wasted. And they feel this clap on their shoulder and they turn around and it's big jer big jer oh. is there jeff yes All right. the ba- yes the pageant of iron hill happened but big J- the director doesn't have to go to every show they found sure. out about the hill big jeremy found out that there's this young upstart playwright that yes is trying to clearly destroy the pageant of iron hill through marketing of course they've seen the millions of flyers all over the world that are like come see the hill it's better than the pageant and they're like no i get it he's a kid i know this kid i mean big jeremy is essentially santa claus he's yeah. like i know this kid like he's he's got it you know he's got it all twisted he's got it all wrong but I'm going to go. I'm going to see what he's up to. I know how much work he's putting into this. And he sits through the whole thing, and he's like, you have quite a thing on your hand. And the reason I say you brought up Carrie the musical and that it made me really think, Carrie has performed a lot regionally and, like, you know, at small theaters. And when you do that, you have to buy the rights. Sure. And, like, in you, you know, writers get paid. The Hill becomes, like, a very, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a fringe festival hit. Yeah, You know, people all over the world start doing the hill if they're looking for something more, like, cerebral. And they're actually, like, they're like, you know, say what you want about Bernard. He might not know that much history, but, like, he really nailed how these people would have been feeling in that moment. Yeah. And sorry if I've been talking nonstop. You fucking crushed it when you brought up Carrie that I'm like, this happens all the time. And it's such a beautiful thing that, like, Glory Days, no, it's not performed all the time. But, like, that score, fucking a lot of people know it, listen to it, and love it. And, like, there's a lot of shows that tank. That like right at, you know, and it's probably the most devastating. I've heard interviews and stuff where they're like, it was the most devastating day of my life. Like when they told us the show was closing and then, you know, all the rights start, all these companies start buying up the rights and like, it's a hit, you know? And then I'm thinking years later. Oh, Aaron, I, can I, can I close this before we roll on some tables? Oh, fuck yeah, please. Cause I, I want you, I, I want to throw out. I don't want to explore what I'm going to throw out. I want to throw it out. Um, yeah, so it becomes this, like, regional theater thing, right? It becomes this thing that, like, 
I think the original cast doesn't do it. Like, they've gone off and, like, it's a Velvet Underground thing, right? It's the Velvet Underground, like, only sold 30,000 copies in their career. But everybody that's bought one of those copies started a band. Like, there were, you know, 150 fun bots in this musical production. I like the idea that there are now hundreds of fun bots. (laughs) Of course, there's There's always been. There's like like 50 fun bots in this production. Like, between production and and performance, all of that. There's like a very small number, but every one of them has gone off to become like a music. Like, this has started the art form of fun bot musical theater. Oh my god. All of which is to throw out this final note, Aaron. Bernard is broken to a certain extent right like there's that it's that crushing downfall of like quick of like quick hubris elaborate um debacle quick downfall a bittersweet resolution yeah of course yeah yeah yeah, absolutely bernard like settles into the next phase of his life right like becomes a music teacher Mm. settles into a very ordinary life like has that story one day there's a knock at his door and he's like, uh, uh, he's like, oh, come on in. Like, here, like, I got my rate sheet. Like, I'll give talk about you about giving lessons. And he's like, I don't want less. I'm not interested in lessons. I'm interested in the hill. I'm interested in putting on the official revival. Oh. I am interested in putting on the largest. I'm interested in giving the hill the stage that it deserved. Oh, my. You see, the problem with the hill was logistics didn't match the dreams. The problem with the hill was that you didn't have that you didn't have the logistical support that you needed to make your dream happen. And I'm here to tell you that I make dreams happen. My name's Hank Grimtooth. <laughs> no, Jeff. I'd no. love to help you put on the production of the hill that you were born to put on. No, wait, okay, okay. Does it become evil or something or no? I don't Is know. It- I don't know. Dang. <laughs> But I will say that the hill is like an indie theater craze. Yeah. What Hades Town was before the Tonys and before it was on Broadway, I mean, I think this that's the hill where people are like, yo, have you heard this thing? Yeah, yeah. Like nobody knows about it, but it's fucking fire. Yeah. I am obsessed that now the art form, there's an art form, Jeff, of, of robot musical theater in all my fantasy children. And all of, you, all of you, I hope you all listen how Jeff and I say theater, because I know it's different. And I know it's a little a little bit country for you. But hey, that's South Jersey, baby. Theater. <laughs> Do you want to roll on tables? Let's roll oh on my some damn God. tables. I love this story of like a legit, it's a legit Broadway tale. We're rolling on writer, the writer background from dndwiki.com. I think it's appropriate. Can't wait to see how they get horny for cats. The movie, not <laughs> an actual cat. Cats 2019, director Tom Hooper, sure. Thank you. <laughs> Give me a D8 for personality trait. Okay. And that's a D10. I should, yeah. D8, go. Two. This will be perfect for my next book. <laughs> they write a book about the experience. Oh, uh, they're just constantly making notes for their next musical. Oh. When Hank Gribtooth shows up and is like, I'm ready, they, he's like, no, no. I'm done with the hill. I told that story. I have something even I've got something better. better. Wow, I love that. And it's about, it's kind of like a Waiting for Guffman type musical about making a bad musical. It's about, but it's like really reflective about like how hard his life was when he was like trying to get this show on its feet. That's, so he's got, so that's the musical that he wants to make. The musical that Hank Grimtooth wants to make is Goldbeard. (laughs) (laughs) I know the gesture you just made too. (laughs) 
glad. I'm glad you can hear. You can see. I've it. come to the what I find to be the greatest writer of all time to write the musical the world needs. Goldbeard. And he's like, ah, no, thank you. I want to write. What's his last name? Thimblethorn. Thimblethorn. I'm going to write the trials of. Hold on. This fucking mosquito. Why do I have a mosquito at my desk? Um, I want to write Thimblethorn. Trials and tribulations. <laughs> Sucks. I need mean, Bernard I means write, so I want to well. write opening night with Mr. Thimblethorn. <laughs> That's what it's called. It, but like Bernard means so well. Oh yeah. But like they're just so misguided. He was, he was he was young and shitty, and he grew up like he grew up to be like I could I could tell some stories. He grew up and like appreciated like he learned some things when he he got some hard hard. So he took some hard knocks and learned some things, which I think is like the purest growth that you can experience yeah and now we're in, now we've put him in a position where somebody's like what if you just indulged your worst in- impulses forever but i do like the fact that like it did it, it, give him this lesson where he's like no one came to see the show but big yeah. jeremy did yeah so that's one person and like that's sort of like the fine because he's like a kid you know not a kid yeah, you're not he's a kid 20, 23 he's, he's, he's 23 yeah. years old like r- literally right out of college up against big jeremy you know, and yeah. Jeremy acknowledged him and was like, I think it was great. I loved how you did X, Y, and Z. So <laughs> there's this fun rule um, in musical theater. It's not a rule, but it's like I refer to it as the Sondheim rule. When Jason Robert Brown, who's a famous composer, uh, went and saw a play by Stephen Sondheim, he saw him afterward when Jason Robert Brown was a young person. And Stephen Sondheim was like, what'd you think? Like, you know, be honest. And Jason Robert Brown ripped up Stephen Sondheim, American Shakespeare, essentially, from musical theater, ripped that shit up and, like, tore it to pieces. And, like, Stephen Sondheim, like, got emotional. And he's like, you know, when it's something so fresh, like, when I just put it up, you have to lie. Like, you have to make me feel good. It's still too new. Mm -hmm. There'll be a time when you can tell me it's trash, but now is not the time. And I think that's what happened. Like, Big Jeremy gave him so much praise and was like, I loved this. I loved that. Was a lot of it true? Maybe not. Maybe so. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's something that kind of he has to, Bernard struggles with for a long time is like, what was real and what wasn't? What did he actually like, you know? And it's it's just something for him to like that helped him grow was that experience of like I got acknowledged but like maybe he was bullshitting me and that sucks yeah yeah anyway I love it all right give me a d six for an ideal animal d six go five ant <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> greed I'm only here to improve my book sales even if I have to exploit and manipulate others oh no <laughs> shit he takes the deal. He takes that deal, and he so he makes cool. He beer. takes the script for opening night for Mister Opening Night with Mister Thimblethorn, and he's like, uh, "I'm I'll use I'll use I'll use the gold beard money to fund opening night with Mister Thimblethorn. It'll be fine." <laughs> gold beard, it, it, like we said, Bernard does not look up history stuff. It is nothing. It's not even about pirates. <laughs> it's like about nothing. Like everyone's just singing. It's about like a barber shop. And, like, Goldbeard is this guy who's looking for a trim. And, like, oh, no, the shears can't cut through my gold beard. This makes me feel sad. What I'm going through. And it's, like, this terrible mess. But he makes a butt ton of money. Yeah. It's a hit. <laughs> oh, it, it's huge. Gilbert, like, Swiftwind goes and brings the messenger sword. And the messenger sword, like, kind of, like, tele- like sends Swiftwind a message. It's like, what the actual fuck 
<laughs> Why are we here? Why? That is not, that's not even me. Where am I? Like, <laughs> Give me a D6 for, yeah, it's just, and it's just, it's just, it was as soon as the opportunity to get paid comes back into Bernard's mindset, it's, all right, I'm taking it. Everyone goes to see Goldbeer to hear about Crosley Digwell, never mentioned once. <laughs> Everyone, oh, okay, hold on, D6, go. Two, fish. Uh, I love my fans, without them I would be nothing. Oh, okay. He loves, loves applause. Loves applause, will always love those fun bots who who, yeah. who worked with him. You know, the fun bots who went on to, like, spread musical theater and these, like, and are now these legendary thespians. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they have, like, this special place in his heart. And, like, whenever he gets a gig, whenever Bernard gets a gig, he calls them or, like, you know, scrying mm-hmm. pools and whatever and is like, do you do you need a gig? Because I got one. You yeah. want to be? It's he is that uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Like if I have a job, you have a job. To like Chris Jackson and all of them. Yeah, yeah. He recycles actors, and it's the you know, and it's because they know his style. And that's what he says. He's like mm-hmm. these are the only actors that can perform my work properly. You know, it, it's not because of nepotism. It's just because like they're the only people who really understand my style. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a D six for a flaw. Oh Jesus! I love when we make horrible people, and we're like, what's their flaw? Five, Ant. I use my book's popularity to boast to people. I often embellish how many I sold. (laughs) Oh, The Hill? Oh, my God. You should have been there opening night. You weren't there? I mean, it's okay if you weren't, because we were completely sold out. Like, it's very rare. You know, you hear about these shows that go on for years and years. I, I honestly, I stood there backstage opening night, and I said, we did it. I said, it's done. We, I said, we, we show, you know... It's very rare that you 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 hit it so perfectly on the first try that you don't need to go for a second night. And yeah. frankly, we we reached that level and we said we're done. We said we said we 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 said pack it up. Yeah, like Big Jeremy came. Big Jeremy clapped me on the shoulder and was like, you know, I'm only gonna keep doing the pageant because for the kids. Like I, you are my superior in every way in terms of composition and directing. Like I I, I stand in awe of you, Bernard. And, like, you know, I don't think you should do another show. Like, the people, the thousands and thousands of people who are here tonight, we're all going to leave and, like, know that we are part of something special. And we just decided to close it then and there. You know, it's like a theater is kind of like a sculpture of made of snow. You know, you're only there. It's only there for a temporary amount of time. And if you didn't see it, it's melted away and it's gone forever. Yeah, we figured (laughs) what's, what's the sort of the culmination of that mindset is to only do it for one night. My God. Incredible. That was I think amazing. that's a wrap. That is a wrap on Bernard Thimblethorn. Bernard Thimblethorn. Yeah. It was originally Bernard Thimblebristle, and then we changed it to Thimblethorn, <laughs> but I like it more. That, that happened. Way. Did you know that happened with Madame Mysteria? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> you, yes, without hesitation. Yes. Different times, different times. Um, but yeah. More things change. More, nothing has changed. Thank you so much, Nick, for your amazing prompt. Uh, Nick is part of the brilliant cast, once again, of Tabletop Squadron. Check out their show. Um, if you'd like to submit a prompt of your own, Nick used our Discord server. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it. And what are you waiting for? It's so much fun. You can just spam us. A lot of people do, and it's a lot of fun. It is. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag Fantasy Children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com, or you can go to bit.ly slash amfcdiscord and post them to our prompt submission channel. 
Yeah, do it up. It's a lot of fun. Quick reminder for all of you to, if you're listening to this, don't forget to listen past the credits. There's going to be an audio extra. Anyway, um... Oh, All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. Uh, the One Shot Podcast Network is home to a group of incredible creators, incredible podcasts and streams and the like. Um, go to oneshotpodcast.com and check out all the amazing shows. Shows like Modifier, shows like Skyjacks, shows like... Uh, Skyjacks Courier Call coming soon. Oh, fuck yeah. Coming January 1st. Just got tweeted out today, y'all. January 1st, 2020. Curry's Call, episode one premieres. Heed the call. Get ready, because my character is a shit-talking 14-year-old, except we don't curse. <laughs> Love it. Um, Jeff has another show that is fucking bombed, and I hope you all watched the Talking Nog stream. Oh, it was very good. Oh my god, Talking Dog was fun. It's a seasonal, uh, what is it, a seasonal a show? Yearly, a yearly, yearly tradition, tradition honoring a yearly, a yearly tradition. tradition. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, my other podcast, Party of One, is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. Boom. Verbal hug this week. Swing for the fucking fences. Yes. No matter what you do, like, swing for the fences. Because you know what? Like, if you don't, I'm going to say this. If you don't, director Tom Hooper is. Yes. He is out there swinging for the fences. Yes. It's 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 the sort of thing like in, in like in like in theater to bring it back, but like when you make choices in theater and you like you know you're rehearsing and you make this huge choice, like I think the Prince Charming would you know pull out a sword and gesticulate toward the sky, and we'll be I like, I think that I think that my cat really wants to suck that toe. Yeah, and like yes, it's a strong choice, but it's a strong but wrong, and then you refine <laughs> it and you cha- we say strong but wrong. Oh, that was strong very strong. But strong but wrong. Strong but wrong. Um, where it's like, wow, I saw the, what you did there. It's very, very strong, but not good. And we're going to take that out. So like, but if you learn anything from our show, which has a weird genre that does not exist anywhere else, swing for the fences, do something super huge and weird and something, an idea, chase it down and just kind of lean into it. Our show is that. A lot of people are like, that's strong, but wrong. Fuck them. Our show is fucking dope. And because we kind of just every episode are like, Let's just go as hard as humanly possible. And yes, I'm tooting my own horn because I love this podcast and the work we do on it. And I think there is, I learned a lot from editing it and listening to every episode where I'm like, wow, we really went hard. It's important to swing for the fences. It's important to like try something new and to get out of your comfort zone a little or stay in your comfort zone and just push it as far as it possibly Mm -hmm. can go. It's fun. One of my favorite writers in the absolute world is Dwayne McDuffie. He was a comic book writer. He created Static Shock. He created Milestone Comics. He was the head writer on Justice League Unlimited, which was my favorite cartoon of all time. Uh, He always said in commentary tracks for Justice League, he always said, if you're going to ring the bell, ring that bell as hard as you can. Yup. Like, if you're going to do something, do it to the fullest of your ability and leave nothing on the table. Leave leave nothing on the table so that when it is so that when all is said and done, you can say, I put everything into this. It, I put everything into what I did. Because you don't want to have to look back and say, Oh, I wish I had gone harder. I wish what would have happened if I had done this instead, or done this in addition. Exactly. Yes. It's oh it's so much easier to be pulled back 
Mm-hmm. Than to like add on more and push harder, you know what I mean? So go yeah. hard and like you know work with cool collaborators who are like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's pull that back a little bit, let's refine that, and just enjoy yourself. It's fun. Come on now. And I think that's a wrap. I think that is a wrap on Bernard Thimblethorn. So until next time, good night and good game. It's me, Aaron. Um, no audio drama this week. It is December 25th, 12.16 p.m. Um, I wanted to get this episode out, so if you're traveling, you know, you can have something good to f- listen to while you're hanging before, you know, your holiday adventures begin or end, and, you know, just something to lift you up. And I kind of just wanted to say thank you as we enter our third holiday season. Um, we are so appreciative for all of you and the engagement you give us and the put- feedback you give us and... You know, just the prompts you send. Creating this show is truly a joy. It's something that just breaks our week so much brighter. And it's because of all of you. It it truly is. This show truly is a collaboration between us and our listeners. And we just wanted to tell you that we so appreciate all of you. And we're so glad that this show gives the intended effect to you. Because for us, it really is Every week, Jeff and I get to sit and escape whatever's going on in our week and talk about fun fantasy stuff and really kind of nerd out together. And we're just very grateful that all of you are kind of along for this ride. And I couldn't be prouder of our project, and I couldn't be happier with our community and the people who listen to our show. You are the most wonderful people, and I hope you have an amazing holiday time, whether or not you celebrate anything. I'm just glad that you're with us during this period. And I hope that this show brings you some good feels this winter. Um, And I look forward to talking to you next week, probably in a goofy voice with something very dramatic at the end of an episode. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I just kind of wanted to say thank you again. Y'all are incredible. Um, Cannot tell you enough. This show has changed my life. All the listeners have changed my life. And I love all of you. And I look forward to another year of fantasy adventures with all of you. Goodbye, y'all. Thanks again.